How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, I don't want to call this an emergency pod, but <laughs> it's awfully close to one. I'm just wondering how much the story is going to change by the time people actually hear this tomorrow, because... Today we talked about, well, last night we talked about John Hammond not getting the Orlando Magic job. And we ended with you talking about, well, I mean, you know, Jeff Weltman, his guy, is now the team president in Orlando. So, you know, maybe he, he just becomes the GM there some, at some point. And a few hours later, he becomes a GM there. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say that we predicted it because we certainly were not expecting that to happen today. Um, but, uh, yeah, big changes afoot in Milwaukee. And... Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess the irony probably are, are what we'll discuss tonight is not so much just what happened today, but also what didn't happen right after John Hammond was, was announced as, as departing uh, Milwaukee for Orlando. And, um, that is that there technically has not been an official announcement on who the Bucks new GM is. And that is weird because Justin Zanuck was hired with ostensibly the, um, you know, unofficial uh, expectation that he would become the GM when John Hammond, uh, when John Hammond's deal expired after this coming season, and the Bucks clearly knew that John Hammond might leave earlier, and here we are, and the Bucks have publicly acknowledged that John Hammond is no longer their general manager, and that's pretty much all they've said. Well, I don't know about that, Frank. They did. Say- we remain very excited about the prospects of our team and anticipate further announcements about the front office staff to be made in the near future. So I wouldn't say that's exactly, okay, that, that was nothing. Um, totally nothing. And I, I don't know, I, I guess let's start there. It, it's kind of a, a strange spot. Uh, like you said, we kind of ended last night talking about how, you know what, Hammond moving to Orlando to be the GM with Weltman would make a lot of sense. Um, I talked about how he would pro- he would extend his career as a general manager by by two more years by accepting a three year deal there. Well, he got a five year deal, <laughs> um, so he extended his life as a general manager by four years, um, which is, I mean, that's a lot of years for for a, a general manager that he was able to get that kind of deal and he was able to find a spot that made a lot of sense for him. And yeah, kind of like you said, everything moved very quickly on this story, except the what the Bucks did. Like like it was reported uh, this afternoon, and then pretty shortly confirmed by I think I can't remember which came first. If it was I think Stein came first, and then Adrian Wojnarowski came next, and those two did it pretty quickly. And then maybe 30 minutes later, the Orlando Magic had a press release out that already said, hey, we, 
we did this and we are bringing on John Hammond and that press release had a quote from John Hammond already in it and like like that moved very quickly and kind of like you said I expected very quickly to hear and to see the press release from the Milwaukee Bucks Justin Je- Justin Zanuck has been named the next general manager of the Milwaukee Bucks and to me that all made a whole lot of sense we've heard the the reports in the past of okay this is the the GM in waiting well he's still waiting <laughs> and as as of uh 8:50 central time on uh Tuesday May 23rd Justin Zanuck is still waiting we'll we'll see if that's still the case when when you listen to this um, probably on uh, on on Wednesday, but but yeah. So yes. I guess Frank, uh, my question would be: um, This evening, we've heard that uh, on ESPN Cleveland this afternoon, or maybe is later this evening. Uh, Brian Windhorst mentioned that the Bucks may be one of the teams interested in trying to pry David Griffin away from the Cavaliers. And we talked about Griffin last night and how he does not have a deal yet, and uh, there's still some things to be sorted out there. And I, I, I have to say I'm very confused by all of it because, again, GM and waiting, you would think, okay, the guy that we allowed to go interview, they, they allowed him to go interview for the Orlando Magic president of basketball operations job. So, again, that's not, that's not the same job that he just got hired to. But in the last week, they allowed him to go interview for for a position. We talked about teams don't have to let their guys do that. If they want their guy to stick around and they don't want their guy to get hired somewhere else, they can say, no, you can't go interview at that place. So they let him go interview for that position. So you would have to think, well, that secession plan that exists would be getting put in place at, I I guess, in the very near future uh, to steal some of their uh, lingo in that press release. So uh, I guess I'm I'm just confused at this point uh, exactly where we're going. And we talked last night also about how the Bucks have been trying to do more to be one of those first-class organizations, to build a new arena, build a new practice facility, uh, treat players the right way like they did with Zaza and Dudley, and try to, and again, by letting Hammond go, that's kind of one of those things, letting people... Uh, do the right thing and allowing them to go interview for that position. We were talking about how they were sort of building up some goodwill as a first-class organization. At what time tomorrow does not hiring your GM and waiting and possibly talking to other people about trying to bring in other other people as a GM, when does that first-class organization goodwill go away? Because... That seems like the opposite of what a first-class organization would do, to go flirt with with other prospects while the person that is supposed to get the job is just waiting there. Is it 9 o'clock tomorrow morning? 10 o'clock? Noon? Like, like at some point, doesn't that flip? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I I mean, I I mentioned last night when we were talking about the whole, you know, the Bucks trying to do do the quote-unquote right thing and all that. Um, You know, we talked about how, man you would imagine they would probably have done the Jason Kidd hiring differently. Maybe they, maybe they wouldn't have done the Jason Kidd hiring at all if they had to, to do all over again, given how that all went down and mm-hmm. you know how that sort of seemed to rub a lot of people the wrong way, not, not the least of which. And again, I, I, I had no real sympathy for Larry Drew, who 
got paid for another two years while he went and you know won a championship with the the Cleveland Cavaliers and wasn't a good head coach when he was here. Um, but you know, obviously they. they that that did not go well right it, it no. did not go well in in terms of the pr um in terms of end arounding the current gm at the time not having him involved at all and john hammond pretty much didn't know what was going on and then john hammond sticks around and it was just a very strange time right and it, and it really set up the organization to have this sort of cloud hanging over the sort of front office decision making hierarchy for really ever since and it's just it just feels like the Bucks have sort of never been able to get out of their own way when it comes to who who's who's in who's out you know who's who's the who's gonna be on the ascendancy whatever it might be you know we spent the first what year or two of John John Hammond and J- Jason Kidd's tenure together with you know the random report that Jason Kidd was gonna be named team oh, president man. how uh, many and- podcasts did we record on that topic Frank oh my god <laughs> right, that I mean, that was when we were doing like the Brew Who podcast but. Instead of trying to limit ourselves to thirty minutes, forty minutes, like we would just go, and it would be like two, three hours of you, me, and Steve Von Horn trying to break that down and figure out how this. Okay, I don't, I don't think we ever did a two-hour podcast. I don't think we ever did a two-hour podcast, but I don't know. Maybe I'm blocking something out. But anyway, it was this big thing for so long, and it was like, man, it would be really nice if the Bucks like didn't have all this BS sort of floating over stuff. And look, I realize as fans, like you know, are we entitled to a, a completely transparent, you know, front office decision-making structure? No. Um, do the best organizations only have one person who's the GM making all the decisions on personnel and coaches and stuff like that? No, right? I mean, it's it's totally normal for, you know, again, coaches to have input into decision-making by the GM. It's totally normal for ownership to have influence over big decisions such as coaching things like that you know i mean there's always going to be interaction between all those variables but they kind of the bucks turned it so much on their head with the kid move that it really sort of hurt their credibility and and led to a lot of suspicion about everything related to jason kidd and john ham and kind of moving forward and then a year ago you know i think i think we reached a point where it seemed like jason kidd's say in personnel did seem to wane somewhat especially over the past year but the irony is that 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 then happens when Hammond has sort of been given an expiration date with um you know basically he's got an extension through next season and Justin Zanuck is hired they go a whole year without an assistant GM then Justin Zanuck guy who's considered you know an up-and-coming future GM type candidate comes to the Bucks you know the word is that there's a succession plan and to me I think that made sense, right? I mean, I thought that was fine. I, I mean, I think we've been yeah. talking about wanting to get, you know, uh, an up-and-coming young GM candidate and, you know, a guy who is, you know, well-heeled in analytics but also is a shrewd negotiator. He has this agent background. You know, him, I mean, Zanuck kind of ticks all the boxes, I think, for what you'd look for in a young GM candidate. So it's like, okay, that's kind of weird that Hammond's still around, but he's going to, you know, so, okay, whatever. Like, let's just get through this hopefully everybody's fine with it we'll move forward but you know still it's it then it's like that that other weird dynamic and i i didn't hear anything to suggest that justin zanuck and john hammond like didn't couldn't work together i mean i didn't hear anything like that but it was i mean that's obviously kind of weird right and we knew that hammond would have an incentive to go find a different job because again he has an expiration date in milwaukee and um and so it's just such a weird 
sort of confluence of events with the kids stuff and Hammond just sort of, again, surviving, right? And, and then Xanet coming on and, okay, there's a succession plan or not. And I think what really, the thing that, that and again, I will, lay, I will lay my cards on the table. I think the Bucks should promote Justin Zanuck to GM. Let's move forward. The kid thing is going to, I mean, they will never be, I don't, I don't think people will feel entirely comfortable with the decision-making hierarchy until kid at some point is gone, just because there will always be those questions. That said, um, with kids seemingly having been sort of pushed out of a lot of the personnel decision-making, or at least not being the, the decision-maker, I think that's obviously a positive thing. But I, to me, and again, Zanuck has not been a GM. He has not been the guy making all the decisions yet. But his pedigree, everything we hear about him from people that we talk to, everything you can read about him publicly. Um, I met him briefly in Vegas last year, talked to him a bit about stuff, basketball, things, whatever. Really impressive guy, you know? Ticks all the boxes. Um, do the easy thing. Do the obvious thing. Do the easy thing. Promote the guy that either you said you would promote <laughs> when you brought him in. Or, and here's the thing. So the Bucks could always say, well, you know, we, we didn't actually promise him the, the GM job. Well, that might be worse, right? Because as you were laying out, <laughs> yeah, either you had a succession plan and now you're maybe going back on it and chasing a shiny object with, you know, Ooh, David Griffin, Ooh, David Griffin, you know, and not to say anything about it, David Griffin, he's done a tremendous job in Cleveland, but okay. So you're going to be David. I mean, do you actually have a chance at David Griffin? Like, are you going to pay him? Five, six, seven, eight million dollars a year to come here. Like, what didn't your, the magic just plan? try to get him for a month and then ultimately decide, oh, this is not going to work out? Right. Well, they couldn't that happen. A, they, they couldn't even. They couldn't even get to talk to him. I don't think. I don't think the Cavs even yeah. let let them talk. And so, I mean, what what is what is the thinking here? So, are you going back on your succession plan? Which, let's be honest, that straight up looks bad for everybody. It's not a <laughs> not a cool move. And I don't even know if I can justify it from a practical standpoint because. I don't. I don't know. Is is David Griffin going to come in and hit a home run and Justin Zan and and is just clearly better than Justin Zanuck? I mean, I don't know. Like again, I I think there is a positive thing in bringing in a younger guy who's and again, David Griffin's not old or anything like that either. But um, it's a different challenge here. And and just I just think stick with the guy that you know unless you found out something about Justin Zanuck that you just don't think you can work with and. But then don't keep him around. You know, <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's just such a weird thing. And and the thing is, if you didn't have the succession plan, well, then you know you guys are are totally unprepared for the fact that you had a GM that you didn't want to keep, and you let him interview for another job, and now you're suddenly stuck without a GM, right? I mean, so whether there was an official succession plan or no a, a succession plan, it's not a good look, right? And so that's sort of the frustrating thing. And again, I mean. We could find tomorrow morning first thing. Justin Zanuck is the new GM of the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, stuff happened quickly and they just couldn't get their house in order. Blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe that's the story. And, you know, we see the press conference and Justin Zanuck is your new GM and everything's, you know, fine. We move forward. And in which case, okay, that's fine. I'm happy as a Bucks fan. I think that makes sense. Um, but at this point right now, again, it's now 9 one on on, Tuesday, on Tuesday night. Uh, I don't know. We don't know. And and it is sort of strange that, that we wouldn't know given we all knew that John Hammond was not going to stick around forever. And um, I, I, I don't know. I, I've been droning on and on. What, what, what say you, Eric? What, what have I missed? It seriously seems crazy. 
like that something wouldn't have been have been planned like I, I don't think anything you said there was really wrong it it would just totally shock me if there if there wasn't a succession plan like how how would that ever be possible and if there is a succession plan why would it take so long to implement so like you said maybe maybe tomorrow happens we wake up Justin Zanuck is hired, everything's fine, and like you said, they just wanted to make sure they got the press release right, they wanted to make sure that uh, they were able to schedule a press conference the way they wanted to, and make everything perfect. If so, that's great, but the fact that it took this, is taking this long, is just kind of, just kind of crazy to me. Uh, And and I mean, we should, and we should say, I mean, the Stein and Woj story sort of, I mean, they alluded to like, oh, well, this clears the way for Justin Zanuck to become GM, so... But but again, I mean, we. It was kind of hard to parse whether that was like, yeah, that that's that's definitely what's going to happen, or that's just sort of what has always been the assumption, you know. Correct. So again, like, I don't want to like go crazy saying like this is the dumbest thing in the world and whatever. If it's a matter of just like, well, they, you know, we, we couldn't get Jamie Dynan on the phone, or you know, they couldn't have a meeting, or what, whatever it is, right? Um, but if it's a question of like ownership sitting around saying, Hmm, David Griffin, he, he might be available. And do we want to wait for that? That, that just doesn't, I I don't know. I just don't think, I think that just sort of, to me, that's more of a, we're going to go hire Jason Kidd without our GM knowing it type move and less of a, you know, we're going to be bold and go and we're going to do it because Jason, David Griffin's this big winner, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know. To me, I, I can see the the idea, like, oh, we want to go get this big name GM guy, whatever. But I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of. It just seems like they were caught uh, in some kind of by by surprise or something like that. Which they, I don't know. How are you? Be, how would you be surprised by this at this point? Yeah. Um, okay. I, I think we've talked about that part of it enough. Um, and if Zanuck is. I'm sure that means there's going to be some more rumors out for us to talk about. So we can talk about that part. But let's, I guess, let's talk about why this is a bad thing before we get to John Hammond and his legacy and try to break down some of that. Let's talk about why losing your GM is a bad thing at this very moment. And... I to me the the first obvious thing is okay the the draft is a month away that is concerning in itself that your your lead decision maker is not there he he does not there's no one leading your ship so that that is concerning but let's say a GM gets brought in very quickly then to me the next question is do those people that John Hammond has alluded to throughout this entire thing, I, I know uh, my friend J.P. Kadoran had tweeted out uh, the video of when I asked him about Justin Zanuck and how he's involved in the draft process earlier today. He mentioned uh, Dave Dean, John Horse, Dave Babcock, Justin Zanuck, and Billy McKinney. He mentioned those five people. Those five people are very important to their scouting and figuring out who they pursue and uh, who they believe in and trying to figure all those things out. Do those people go? Do all of them go? Do some of them go? Do they stay? And again, that has happened over different regimes before. There was some, uh, I believe there was some carryover. Babcock might have carried over uh, from the 
pre-Hammond era. Um, but there's some Dave, of those. Dave ba- I feel I feel like Dave Backpop's been here since 1972, but I, I could be wrong on that. But but yes, it's, Dave Backpop, he's been there for a long time. He's been he yes he was there during the Larry Harris era. So th- again, sometimes it's carryover, sometimes it's not. But either way, you need to figure out who those people are, wh- who they've seen, um, and if some of those people leave, who you're bringing in to help out in the scouting department, but. Also, you have a draft pick to make in a month, and you have a second-round draft pick to make in a month. So you have some decisions to make, and I feel like you would really hope that some of those, some of the people that you have to bring in have seen some of these prospects before. But then the problem is, have they scouted you the way that your entire department scouts people? Do Were they looking for the things that you were looking for? What are you looking for? Who is the person deciding what you're looking for? Like, There's just so many questions that... I guess now have to be asked and that's just for the draft that's not for anything else then now as there's this kind of question lingering over the organization you have to wonder okay if I have a trade to make who am I calling who am I talking to how are we getting this done and to me there's just this is a really dangerous time to have uncertainty because we've talked about how difficult this summer could be for the Milwaukee Bucks because they don't have a ton of that cap space. They they just have two picks. The first the highest one is at 17. So there's not a high draft pick. There there's a lot of things that you have to be very good on the fringes this summer. And I would think you'd to be good on the fringes, you'd want to be very comfortable with your decision-making personnel and who's going to be a part of that and how that's all going to work. So uh, to me, I, I just think this is a terrifying time to lose your decision-makers. Again, there's never a good time to lose decision-makers. Like That transition is always going to be difficult. Um, but this is, to me, a particularly dangerous time. It wasn't immediately after the season ended. You didn't get knocked out uh, before the playoffs. You weren't a lottery team that made the decision that, hey, we're going to gut our organization. You were a team that got all the way uh, to May 23rd, and now you have to you have to be confronted with some of those decisions and you have less than a month to I guess just less than a month to draft and you have a month and about eight to ten days to figure out your free agency plan like this is a very dangerous time yeah and that's why again why you know continuity is is the easiest solution to all this right and and so I think there are a couple interesting things here again and again right I mean Hey, if Wednesday we just find out, oh, you know, we just had to finish the contract with Justin and, you know, work, work everything out and, and, and you know, he's going to be leading us into the draft and, you know, Billy McKinney and, and the rest of the scouting department and, um, you know, the rest of the front office staff, they're, they're on board, then it's probably not a huge deal. Although I would agree that, you know, not having sort of uh, that key decision maker who's been your GM for the last decade, you know, not having him around, even though he's not maybe – the only I mean, he's, he's clearly not the only voice in the room, obviously, and you know there's been lots of <laughs> debate about what his voice was compared to Jason Kidd and all these other guys. But clearly, if you you know you lose you take John Hammond out of that room, then the group has to get used to that, as you're sort of alluding to. Um, you know, I, I think one interesting thing is certainly you know Billy McKinney is a longtime like childhood friend of John Hammond's. Um, you know, they go way back. Um, I think John, I think Billy actually helped get uh john a job in the nba and like i think in the 80s at some point um so they go way back so i mean that's obviously another question is you know 
I think Dave Dean and John Horst both came with John Hammond from Detroit. Um, you know, are those guys going to be first out the door to follow John Hammond? I, I don't know. We haven't really heard anything on that front with Billy McKinney follow him either now or, you know, in July or, or some other t- point in time. Um, so it's all kind of complicated because of that. Um, because again, I think you can cope with John Hammond leaving and especially if Justin Zanuck, who's obviously already part of the organization and knows everybody, um, if he's just sliding in, then it's, it's pretty you know straightforward, I would say. Um, but if you have John Hammond leaving and taking people with him potentially, which again, we haven't heard anything about that. Um, but that would obviously further complicate things because you only have so many people and, you know, again, everybody has not seen every prospect. Um, and, and everybody doesn't have the same experience and the dynamic is different once you start taking people out of that. So I agree, especially with the draft coming up, um, it necessarily complicates things. And, um, I think that's why you saw like in the NFL, for instance, you know, I think, I think a couple, um, front offices like got cleaned out like right after the draft, basically because teams didn't want to do that before the draft. Um, and it's an interesting situation because on the one hand, you know, a GM probably wants to make his own picks right before he comes in and takes over a team. But um, by the same token, if a guy has not been in in an organization or he hasn't been doing it someplace else, it's it's pretty hard. Maybe maybe even more obviously more difficult for the NFL given the number of players involved. But um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a challenge to sort of figure you know figure out that that, that plan, especially during such a critical time in the NBA calendar. Um, and and again, you know, other than mid August, I'm not sure there's a great time. To uh, to change over your front office, um, but clearly doing it right now with you know a pretty limited amount of time ahead of the draft, um, it does invite some challenges and probably not a coincidence that John Hammond's worst draft was his first draft when I think he'd been around for uh, only a couple months drafting Joe Alexander eighth overall uh, in the 2008 draft and um, I think that's just going to be an obvious uh, issue the Bucks are going to have to work with you know regardless of what they do moving forward um you know even if you hired you know let's say that in sort of the the most turbulent example you went out and found some other gm from another team well you know they've probably looked at different players than than perhaps the bucks have right um so it's it it does sort of just invite more complication and as you said it's a critical time for the bucks um as much as they don't have a a lot they might have a lottery pick but it is an important time um for them to you know again they need to get some draft picks right um, they need guys that I think are, are going to contribute, not necessarily, you know, we can't expect them to find a superstar at number 17, but clearly this is a draft that, that matters a lot. Uh, if they're going to be a team that, uh, again, contends for, for more than uh, a, a low playoff seed over the next few years. So is there anything else that to you matters future wise? Cause, cause I want to make sure that, um, we take care of all of the future as far as who takes over for Hammond and all of that stuff before we kind of try to talk about and decide. And I don't want to say decide, that's a bad word, but just review John Hammond's tenure here in Milwaukee. No, I mean, I think they have, I mean, to me, it's, it's pretty straightforward and, and hopefully, um, you know, uh, tomorrow night we're talking about John, Justin Zanuck's, uh, uh, hiring as as team GM and you know I, I don't know how quickly they'd have a press conference but um, but you know I think that's the obvious move uh, I think at this point um, I think it's the right move you know and it's not to take anything away from a guy like David Griffin but um, you know I, I think for a for a job like this GM too I mean 
you know, again, David Griffin is is not the LeBron James of of team presidents or, or decision makers. Like, I'm I'm sure he's very good. He's he has a good track record. Seems to be very well respected. Um, but again, it's not like uh, you're you're looking for that singular superstar uh, in the front office that you could never find yourself or something like that. You know, um, again, I think we've heard very good things about Justin Zanuck and. Um, you know, I, I think again, as a small market team, I think they're, um, you know, it's a super important position. This is a critical time. Um, and, and, you know, this is, this is a big deal, right? If the Bucks are going to be a team that builds success around Giannis, um, you want to get this move right. You want to have the right people making the decisions. Uh, you want to have the right people coaching as well. Um, and, and maybe that's the other interesting piece of this, um, is I don't know maybe there's you know is maybe some of this also related to Jason Kidd, and I don't say that because they're asking Jason Kidd if he wants to be team president. I don't foresee that happening, um, but I, I don't know. It is an interesting question, right? If you were if you were a hotshot GM slash team president from another team, what would you think of Jason Kidd being the head coach in Milwaukee, and how how would that affect? your view of this job moving forward. So I, I guess I was already going to hop in and say the thing that I was just thinking about is, okay, so say Zanuck isn't the guy and you want to go down the road of figuring out who a different GM is. How long does that take? That's not something you can do in a day, two days, three days. I don't think that's something you can do maybe not even in a week because if this is someone... That is going to be your decision maker going forward. You'd want to interview him, right? Yeah. I mean, Rob, Rob, Rob Hennigan was fired six weeks ago in Orlando, right? So it took them six weeks to to find their GM. Correct. Um, and, or their, and they, their new team president and GM. Yeah. And, and they're being very thorough, and we heard all the rumors and all this, but that takes a lot of time. So if you do want to go in a different direction, well, you're making that person even less prepared for the decision that they have to make in what is it, June 22nd is the night of the draft? So yep. in less than a month. So in 30 days, and let's say, even if you, in the in this crazy world, you get it done in a week. In 23 days, that person has to be ready to go for the draft, make a pick. 10 days later, they have to be ready for free agency. So you're giving that person three weeks to plan their entire offseason with a, a group of personnel they don't know anything. I, I shouldn't say not anything about, but a group of personnel they don't know that well, with a staff they don't know that well. Like I, I just don't understand how you could attempt to do that. And then, yeah, moving on to that question, if you're a, a GM, a president of basketball operations, whatever that hire would be, I, I just don't see how your first demand, and I was telling you about this before, before we started recording, but I was reading something today about Masai Ujiri when he took over in uh, Toronto, and he had a list of three demands for Toronto that he said they need to get a D-League team, uh, they needed to do something, and I can't remember what number two was, and then the third thing was that they needed to hire Weltman, and obviously it got brought back up because he went to Orlando, and that's why I read that piece today, but if you're the president, or if you if you want to be that person that's going to take that job in Milwaukee, I don't know how number one on your list isn't Jason Kidd needs to go. Like, I just don't know how you as a person could feel comfortable about the supposed power and decision-making that you are supposed to get in making that move and not say, 
okay, that dude's got to go. Like I again, you can try to tell me that it's going to be fine, and you trust him, and his personnel say has been uh, neutered, whatever it may be. You can try to tell me all those things, but I will not feel comfortable until you tell me he is no longer my coach and no longer in the organization. Like I just don't know how you. Uh, there's no way you take that job with everything you've heard and seen reported over the last three years and not think that dude is a definite threat to my job and my decision-making ability. And again, I understand. There's only 30 of those of these jobs in the entire world. So maybe you're willing to make some sacrifices, but man, I can't imagine that's a sacrifice you'd be willing to make. Well, and there, there are two, two dimensions to that, right? I mean, the first dimension is sort of the one that, that any incoming team president or GM will try to figure out, which is, is the coach that, that you're inheriting, is he good enough and do you want him around, right? And, you know, that's obviously a big question with Jason Kidd. Is Jason Kidd an above average NBA coach? Is he the guy that's going to take this team from, you know, decent to great? Um, I think we've we've kind of gone over the many reasons that there would be to, to doubt that possibility. Um, and I wouldn't say it's impossible that the Bucks could be very successful with Jason Kidd, but I don't think there's anything inevitable about, you know, Jason Kidd leaning this team to, to greatness, you know, I mean, in terms of like the way he has slash not really evolved his views of like how to play with what we've seen on the court. And, and anyway, we don't need to relitigate that, but, um, but there's that piece of it. And then, you know, plenty of GMs. First thing you do is, is get a new coach. Um, and then there's the other piece, which is, what you were alluding to, which is just like uh, Jason Kidd has, you know, he he's well liked by certainly many players. There's a lot of respect for him and you know his legacy as a player, and um, certainly uh, you know I think a number, you know, many players that we know of have liked him as a coach. Um, but do you trust him, and are you not, as you were alluding to, worried about what his other motives might be and what you know whatever it is you know right now he may say that he's happy to be just a coach and the bucks have seemingly kind of coaxed him into that sort of narrower role over the past year but um but yeah i don't i'd feel much better if i could just come in and hire my own coach and you know have a guy that you know i wasn't worried about any of those things with so absolutely i would totally agree especially if it's a guy that you know the bucks are bringing in is and and you know we often kind of use team president and gm interchangeably but it is interesting right because Clearly, Hammond is not the guy ultimately making all decisions in Orlando because yeah. there is a team president of, you know, a guy who's the head of basketball operations in Jeff Weltman. Um, whereas in Milwaukee, you know, I think the assumption would be if, if Justin Zanuck is hired, he'd probably take the GM title. And again, you know, do the Bucks, or, you know, do the Bucks try to get cute and say, well, Justin Zanuck can be the GM, but we're going to try to bring in some bigger name guy as team president. It's like, well, okay. I mean, I don't, then you're not really the GM, right? You're not really the decision maker. And I think the interesting thing when you look at guys who have, um, who've moved, like Masai, you mentioned, um, you know, the, the guys who, who've kind of taken these types of, of, of jobs, like the team president, you know, which is obviously the more prestigious title, um, it's usually because they get a ton of money and they have power to do what they want, right? And it actually seems to have a lot less. You you were making this point to me when we were discussing earlier, and I agree with it, which is probably usually has less to do with sort of the team itself because typically these guys think like, oh, well, even if my team sucks, like I'll just rebuild it. You know, <laughs> like I'll just I'll that just gives you more job security. Like, exactly. Whatever. Exactly. They're terrible. I got all day. 
Right. Or, or I'm so smart and good at this. I'm, I'm going to just, you know, blow it up and, and start over. So, you know, having like a team that's like really competitive almost isn't really that important, I think, to a lot of these guys. It's really just about like, are you going to pay me a lot more money and show me the respect and prestige of, you know, being that really important guy? And then do I just get to do what I want? Right. And, and I don't know. I mean, to me, the, the interesting thing is that that is, I think, what a lot of Bucks fans would love for their GM to have. Which is a lot of authority, and you know, so that we wouldn't be in these debates about. And this feeds into the John Hammond legacy debate, which is, uh, well, you know, John Hammond. Well, it's hard to judge him because you know he worked for Herb Cole, and you know, what did Herb prevent him from doing? And you know, his mandate under Herb was this and that. And you know, when he then the new ownership came in, well, I mean, how many moves were kid moves? How many were hand moves? I mean, as fans, this is annoying, and I think for teams, it's. I don't think that that's particularly healthy, <laughs> obviously, to have that level of confusion either. Um, but but yeah, it would be nice to have less confusion about who makes decisions for the Milwaukee Bucks. I realize that you know it will ultimately be a, a collective effort to some extent. But um, I, again, I, I think it, the Bucks have certainly made life more difficult for themselves from a PR standpoint with the way that you know everything has happened over the last few years and. Well, I guess we will see the next chapter awaits us here very soon, whether it's Justin Zanuck or whether it's someone else. But um, again, my hope is that, you know, there there is less drama than than maybe we're reading in between the lines for. And that, again, Zanuck is promoted. And then, you know, we move on and we see what this team does next. OK, so before we move to next, which I'm sure we will do tomorrow and we did for the first part of this podcast, let's take a look back at John Hammond a little bit. And like you said, I, I think it's uh, it's a complicated legacy with John Hammond uh, because you have to think about all those other things, uh, mandates from ownership, whether that is a mandate from Herb Cole where he's trying to get into the playoffs every year and always scrape together a team that's somehow going to get that eighth seed, or that's a mandate from the new ownership group where maybe Jason Kidd is in charge or at least Jason Kidd has a say and you're trying to figure out how to balance that. And um, I, to me, I, we mentioned it last night. I've mentioned it multiple times. You've mentioned it multiple times. The only thing I can think of John Hammond is, is as a survivor. He he will survive in an NBA job, I feel like, until the day he does not want an NBA job anymore. Uh, he, he's, he just knows how to get through these things he knows how to play the politics the right way that he'll make enough moves and he'll please enough people and he'll get along with enough people that he's gonna he's gonna keep his job and that's what he did here in milwaukee uh despite obviously the bucks not winning a ton of games uh, the best season under john hammond is uh the 46 and 36 fear the deer year uh yeah um and the let's see the only other winning season is this past season uh 42 and 40 41 and 41 in 2014 15 and then all seasons under 500 under john hammond and i mean i feel like 500 is a, a pretty low bar for for an nba gm an nba coach an nba team whatever it may be i feel like that's a pretty low bar and it was one that hammond regularly struggled to get to 
now like you like we've mentioned a couple times i think the the complicated nature of his position at some times and the politics of his position at times certainly might have limited some of his ability there but at the same time that that's just not good enough right like, like there, there's no doubt that Giannis, where he got Giannis, the the story of finding Giannis, everything about Giannis will certainly keep his standing as a general manager and a talent eva- evaluator great for the rest of his life. Like that pick alone, you can put that on his resume for the rest of his life in. 72 point font and that's more than enough to qualify him for most any nba position but there's plenty of missteps in free agency there was plenty of contracts signed that that weren't very good there's plenty of trades made it made that were not very good there there was plenty of mistakes along the way and that's Obviously, I haven't mentioned a move like getting Middleton and uh, drafting Thon or Malcolm Brogdon or any of these other things. Uh, obviously, there, there's plenty of good marks on his record. There's also plenty of bad marks on his record, but ultimately, he survived, and that's pretty much how I'm going to think about him for, the I, I guess, the rest of time. Like I said, he's going to be in the NBA until the day he decides he doesn't want to be. Yeah, I mean, I think there, there are two probably relevant ways to, to you know measure a general manager and by the one, John Hammond, I think, rates really well. And I think everyone, uh, and then I think it, it explains why people, why, why many people were sad to see him go. And that's, you know, sort of the, where is the team right now? Sort of his legacy uh, as he leaves and, and the roster that he's built, which um, the team will carry forward and, and hopefully continue to build on. And by that measure, you know, you alluded to the big one, which is Giannis, right? Drafting Giannis for, at the 15 spot. Um, and he's always been very, I think, you know, John Hammond's always been very humble about, um, the luck that was involved in that, and you know, he's never claimed that he knew Giannis would become the superstar when he when he picked him there, um, which I think you know speaks to to John Hammond and the kind of person he is. Um, not trying to take too much credit for um, for you know again a a, a a long shot you know player uh, working out, but ultimately he did draft him, and you know that's why the Bucks are currently a team that I think a lot of a lot of other teams and a lot of the other GMs would would love to to trade rosters with, um, but obviously other players on the roster too. I mean, you look at you know the key guys on this team. Um, you know, Chris Middleton being the obvious other one. Uh, you know, Brandon Jennings. I mean, we can debate. You know, was Brandon Jennings a good pick at number ten in in two thousand nine? Um, I mean, I think it ended up being you know just for the production a very solid pick. Um, you can certainly point to some players that were picked later, like a Drew Holiday, and say, well, that guy might have been better. Um, but he got value from Jennings, I think, while he was here. And then when they decided they didn't want him, they really salvaged that pick by by trading him for Chris Middleton and Brandon Knight. And, you know, I mean, we, we can obviously debate Brandon Knight and blah, blah, blah. But um, Chris Middleton is still here. Chris Middleton is signed to a very good contract. Um, and he's obviously a big part of what the Bucks want to do moving forward. And, um, again, there was nothing obvious about getting Chris Middleton in that trade. Um, and, uh, again, the Bucks did very well to get him for the price they got him in free agency. So um, those two guys, I think, really you know, really are the key. And, um, you know, Thon Maker, time will tell if, if he will be sort of another feather in, in Hammond's, you know, uh, drafting cap or, or how that kind of measures out. But certainly – uh, we did see some encouraging things from from Thon this year as well. So, you know, certainly from a roster construction standpoint, um, you know, the Bucks don't have the purest, cleanest cap sheet in the world right now. And we've talked about that. 
Um, they do have some contracts, which, you know, again, John, John Henson, Matthew Delvadova, Mirza Toledovich, you know, contracts that if they could lose one of them, the, the, their current situation would be a lot, lot nicer and a lot cleaner and a lot more flexible. But um, for the most part, I, I don't think you can complain too much with, with the way John Hammond is leaving the Bucks at all. Um, but as you mentioned, the winning percentage, 43.6%, uh, no playoff victories, or sorry, no playoff series victories. Um, you know, there's no way that you'd roll back the clock to when John Hammond arrived and said, okay, this is going to be your legacy Milwaukee and have him or anybody be particularly happy about that being what the team accomplished in his time here. Um, so clearly that that's a disappointment, right? Um, so yeah, so I think it, it really kind of depends how you weigh those two things when you think about his legacy. Um, you know, I think in, in broad strokes, um, certainly the drafting will be the, the big positive. And, and again, drafting Giannis, um, you know, in 20 years, we may look back on this team and hopefully they ultimately become very successful. And I think John Hammond will always be viewed very favorably for that one move. No matter, you know, wipe everything else off the, the table, that one move will, will hopefully carry his legacy and, and hopefully it'll be something that uh, allows the Bucks to, to win many more games than they have uh, over the past 25 years. Um, but, you know, also there, there were plenty of questionable moves. Uh, to John Hammond's credit, I mean, we talked about him as a survivor. Um, also a guy who was very good at erasing his mistakes. Uh, guys that were bad contracts or... You know, like the Corey Maggette types, guys that were signed or not signed, but but traded for um, and quickly regretted. Uh, he knew when to cut bait for the most part and was generally able to to move guys um, and move on from contracts pretty well, um, which is a useful skill. Maybe not as useful as signing guys to good contracts to begin with. Um, and again, he had a number of those as well. Chris Middleton being the most obvious one. But um, yeah, I mean, it's been a mixed bag, and you know, to some extent. You spend a decade anywhere, you're going to have hits and misses. Um, and I think, you know, moving forward, obviously, uh, you know, he, he was a guy that I think you, you talk to people around the organizations, really my experience, um, just a really open, communicative, friendly, nice guy. Um, you know, I think a guy that was pretty practical and I think shrewder than a lot of people probably maybe give him credit for it because I think a lot of people sort of saw the, the ah shucks, nice exterior and maybe sort of <laughs> – yeah read into that a little bit too much but um but yeah i mean it's not a coincidence that he's a guy who has uh, a a very good reputation around the league um and a guy that you know people uh have uh, has built a lot of good relationships with over the years and um that plays into his ability to you know last in milwaukee a decade which is a long time for anybody to last as a general manager of an nba team and um you know good luck to john certainly um in orlando um, as I mentioned the other night, Jeff Weltman and John, I mean, both very, you know, stand up people, um, and, uh, certainly people that, um, I'll, I'll be hoping that, that they're successful, not against the Bucks, but, um, but hoping that they, uh, do well. And, um, you know, to the extent that the magic don't beat out the Bucks, uh, I'll, 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 I'll be happy. But if the, if they're successful, I think that'll be a, a good thing. Cause again, they're, I think a couple of good guys and, um, we'll, we'll obviously see what happens next. And, um, obviously for the Bucks, different, different challenges, but hopefully, Hopefully they can move on and um, figure figure something out quickly. All right, Frank. I think that's all I got because I'm not all that interested in relitigating every single move that Hammond has made in his career. Um, I think that sums it up pretty well. And to me, I think that about does it for us for today. 
So you, are you are you looking forward to podcasting tomorrow about like an entirely new set of circumstances that we couldn't have foreseen? <laughs> um, yes, I, I kind of figured that's what we'll what we'll get. Um, but we'll see. Hopefully, the the twenty minutes, half an hour, whatever it was, where we talked about things, wasn't completely useless by the time we put it up. Uh, as I'm going to try to do limited editing and get this up sometime tonight. So that's going to be it for us for today on Lockdown Bucks. For Frank Mann, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow when everything has changed. See you tomorrow.